Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Ah, welcome one, welcome all to the Eon Project once again. Uh, so I'm looking across the room here today in the palatial Eon Project Studios, and I do not see my good friend, my compadre, my 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 uh, partner in crime, Mike. So as we uh, as we talked about earlier, Mike is unfortunately he is out of commission for the next few weeks. He had a, uh, a rectal procedure done, and uh, so he's he's recuperating from that. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're on today. So on, so because of that. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing something special here today. So we have a uh, a special special guest that's gonna be helping me through the the trials and tribulations of the Eon Project. So we have a remote uh, a remote guest on today, and it's somebody that the if you're a fan of the program, you may have heard of in the past. So uh, he used to go by the name Fifty One Pan Man, and he was one of our biggest fans early on. Still is a big fan, and um, uh, his real name is Brent. I hope he doesn't mind me calling him that. Do you? Hello? Are you there, Brent? I, I, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. All right. Well, here he is. There. Uh, so he uh, obviously requires no introduction, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at him via a web uh, a web simulcast. And uh, what's the time there where you are? Where, first of all, where are you? Well, I'm in Indiana, man. Okay. Um, and the, the weather here is going to be the weather you're going to be getting um, snow. Sure. So uh, New England, uh, the the pinnacle of of snow and ice right I yeah mean, you got come it on. yeah no we've been getting uh we've been getting hammered here recently so yeah so i'm looking at it's his ten, i'm looking at his mug it's 10 here. a.m here it's 10 a.m so what time is it here oh it's 10 a.m here oh look at that we're in the same, we're the same time schedule shed is it schedule is it schedule what is it yeah schedule i think you have to say it's schedule like so that you sound uh british and far more intelligent than we really are okay do you have a do you have a a morning or or a a, a show beverage that you're partaking in this this morning well what, 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 elaborate a little bit what, what are you getting at? well are you drink well no i mean are you, do you have a coffee do you have a tea do you have some sort oh. of uh, juicy beverage what do you what are you having i know you need something to wet your whistle yeah yeah so i have coffee i i have a uh, a tankard of uh, very uh, battery acid like coffee. Okay. Um, strewn about my table, I have uh, uh, cigarettes because I'm going to be like Larry King live here, circa like 1960, and chain smoke through this whole thing. Okay. It's going to be great. I'm, um, I'm glad to see that you're smoking still. That's uh, are you oh, smo- are you smoking absolutely. the Camel Double Wides? Uh, is that is that what they well, are? Is that I, what they're yeah, called? The, the Camel Wides, and uh, I suppose we should really let the cat out of the bag and. And tell everybody we've known each other for years, right? Yeah. I so mean, it, we uh, we we kept up this charade long enough, and uh, so uh, you know Brent is one of our biggest fans because we've known each other for several years, and uh, we had uh, some good times together serving in the Marine Corps, and uh, you know he's he's passed the word on of the Ian Project across the Midwest and around the world, uh, if you will, and here he is joining us today, and uh, yeah, so that's great. You want to give a little background on that or what? You want to tell a little well, story? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, first of all, uh, you and I were into uh, spirits uh, from day one, and, and I'm not talking about the paranormal kind. That's of right. Course, as, yeah, as you're aware. But, uh, yeah, we had some good times. Um, I, You know, I think uh, looking back on everything, I mean, we've been continually friends uh, since the first day we met. Uh, been through some crazy in-docs and 
just bunches of different stuff and uh, shared career paths that were the same. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a made music. I mean, we should probably tell them too that, uh, that you and I wrote the intro music that is so famously uh, referenced all the time. That's right. The Ian Project uh, introduction, intro music. <clears throat> Going back many, and, moon, uh, moon, many moons ago. Yeah, what a story that was, too. Uh, you can call it Jabberwocky, man. <laughs> so that get, was something. Yeah, so that's yeah. obviously we clearly have a history there. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so you're having a coffee. I have an herbal, I have an herbal tea. Um, I don't know where this tea came from. I found this, it's like a bag with dirt in it, and I found it underneath the kitchen Delicious. sink. Delicious. Yeah, because I didn't have any regular coffee, so I just stuck it in some hot water, and that's what I'm partaking in today. Well, and, you know, I got a quick question for you. Since sure. Michael, to hammer you all the time with these ideas, and, and I'll get into why I, I ask you this question, but uh, Iggy Pop, alive, yep. dead. Iggy Pop should be dead, but he's alive. Yeah, and he looks bad. And I just realized the other day when I looked at myself, mm. I'm starting to look very Iggy-ish. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like you and go out and hit the rock pile every day and, and tone my Greco-Roman physique into mm -hmm. this, like, a alabaster mold of, of honey and love. <laughs> I, I'm starting to get saggy and, like, I'm mm. real skinny and... I, I feel like I should be singing uh, uh, Down on the Street or something. Uh, it, it's not good, Jay. It's, it's all good. It's downhill for you if you look in the mirror and you think that you look like Iggy Pop. So let's just put it that way. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not a, I, you know, I guess uh, I, I laugh too quite a bit because uh, it's probably a nice, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, reprieve for you to not uh, have Mike interject when you speak every two seconds. I love that guy. He's the best <laughs> in the world. But the poor guy never gives you a chance to talk. Sometimes. I don't know. I mean, laugh about it. Yeah, it's 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 you know it could be it could be tough, but you know he's a very assertive. He's a large assertive man, so uh, you know it's it's hard to uh, you know to keep him at bay sometimes. But I, I do my best. So let's tease the topic well, a little I, bit. Let's tease the topic a little before we lose uh, half of our audience here. And uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So what what we're gonna do is and, and Brent is a uh, he has a, a a very broad interest in a. In a well-versed interest in the Dyatlov Pass incident, which we've talked about in the past. So I think the first thing we're going to do is we're going to do a little, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And he's got some firsthand knowledge of a of a, of a Russian uh, man that he knows that has some uh, interesting uh, notes yeah. about that. Yeah. And also we're going to talk about, it's going to be a quick, quick hit program. Uh, we're not going to go too in-depth about all of these different topics, but it's going to be conspiracy theories that actually turned out to be true. So we're going to, we're going to, Tell you what they are and where they originated from, and uh, you know you may you draw your own conclusions about that. Yeah, and some of that stuff's pretty crazy, but yeah, Dietlov, uh, you know that's a really interesting thing. I actually first heard about it uh, on on your show, uh, and uh, Mike I think talked about it pretty early on in the in the run of the Eon Project, and uh, it, it absolutely blew my mind. And uh, at at that point, I kind of got uh, really more interested in and started doing my own research you know i by no means consider myself an expert but uh you know i've i've looked into it quite a bit since then and i you know first of all i guess what do you think happened i mean you know what you've got a basic knowledge of it too i mean well let's know, i'm gonna go into well for the for the, know, yeah. for the people that aren't really sure why don't you talk a little bit first about uh you know what it is what happened there and then we can talk about some theories and you can talk about yeah, your, your sure. experiences okay. with the russian man yeah, 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 Gregory. Yes. What, I mean, 
that's as Russian as it gets, man. Uh, no, so 1959, you know, we're talking the height of the Cold War. Um, you know, we're talking about Russia back when, you know, Russia was still, uh, you know, a pretty scary place to, to question the government or, or anything like that. And these hikers, um, you know, as I'm going through and, and doing research, it, it turns out that these hikers were, uh, were on an expedition into the Ural Mountains uh, and they were extremely experienced, um, really well versed in uh, mountaineering. And uh, yeah, they, they come up missing after a while. Uh, they don't check in. No one knows where they're at. And as uh, an investigation ensues, uh, is, is more or less when they discover the bodies and the circumstances surrounding their discovery is such that you, you look at it and and I really, I just can't say for sure what happened. There's theories involving hypothermia. Um, there's theories involving an avalanche. Um, there's theories that that go as broad as UFOs and the Russian Yeti. Right. You, you know. So. Yeah. You so, know, so I don't know. Yeah. So some of the yeah. thing, some of the strange, you know, some of the strange things. Obviously, I think they were all found outside uh, in various states of dress. Some naked, yes. Um, and, it, and it appeared as though that they were fighting their way out of the tent. You know, like the tent was 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 ripped from the inside. Um, yeah, so, cut actually, cut yeah. actually with a knife. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the 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 most interesting aspect of it is that um, when a forensic examination was done, and you know, from my research, the doctor that did this is he was a well respected. Um, pathologist and you know this you got to remember too this was a big deal you know uh you had all these families that were concerned they all wanted answers you know so uh as i've read more about it the the investigation was was well done mm -hmm. and uh very thoroughly done and uh but the the injuries to these bodies um range the gambit of blunt force trauma that that was literally described as not being of natural human force. Mm -hmm. and, and then one of the female victims was found uh, missing her eyes and her tongue and uh, no evidence that it had been the cause of, uh, you know, animal, you know, typically as, as you're aware, you know, bodies tend to get uh, scavenged on by other predators. And there was no evidence that this had, that this had occurred to this female uh, victim. So the eyes and the the eyes and the tongue that were removed, it appeared as though that it was done intentionally by some other uh, being or or force or creature you, of you some know, kind. And, and I've heard UFO, uh, you know. But as you start to do research, the the uh, the Russian Yeti, um, abominable snowman, you know, become, becomes uh, a um, a very heavily talked about theory because there's there's a local tribe of of native Inuits that live in that area of Siberia, mm -hmm. and you know they have legends just like our Native Americans do about uh, large bipedal you know primate like creatures. And one of the traits that these animals exhibit um, when they have supposedly taken prey, reindeer, and other things in Russia. Uh, is removal of the tongue and eyes. Oh. So, yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. Uh, 
no question about it, it was covered up. Sure. Uh, subsequently, after the uh, that is the one definitive thing that we certainly know. Uh, and you know, you mentioned my my friend Gr Gregory in, in uh, Gr Russia. Uh, does, does he talk like this? Is his name Gregory? Yes. He, he says Dietlov passed. Tell Dietlov us a little bit passed. about Gregory and his relationship with Dietlov. <laughs> he, he he knew instantly about it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I give you a little background on him. You know, he's a he's a very skilled uh, craftsman. He he makes um, really high end uh, guitar effects pedals. And you know, we're music people, and that's how I developed a relationship with him. But uh, once I just on a whim, I asked him if he'd ever heard of Diet Love Pass. Um, near instantly, he he emails me back and and begins to tell me uh, that it's 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 his. A prominent of a issue uh, in Russia as you know any of our conspiracies are in the United States like you know say JFK or something right, right. you know so you know he knows uh, a lot about it uh, and it's clearly a subject that's discussed a lot in in their their popular culture and he was adamant about the fact that it, it was uh, clearly covered up and that that begs the question why you know, why would the Russian government cover up something that uh, was a tragic accident? You know, I mean, you'd think they'd want to divulge as much information about it as possible. Well, the, you know, it, it, no yeah, I mean, it being the cold, obviously it was at the time of the Cold War as well. So there wasn't a whole lot of information coming out of there at the time. So I can see in that regard. Um, but, you know, going forward all these years later, um, you know, and what happens is a lot of times with these. Uh, conspiracies and conspiracy theories and things of that sort, when they're not addressed directly, you know, when the government, uh, whosever government tries to ignore it or tries to dismiss it as nothing without um, addressing the situation only perpetuates to, uh, you know, make the conspiracy, ev give it even more credence. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of what happened yeah, here. I, I mean, you know, I, um, people tend to, to, jump to their own conclusions in the lieu in lieu of having no uh definitive answer and you know clearly that's the case um you know it wasn't until the late 90s that these documents were uh declassified and as you look at it from an investigative standpoint it's hard to see uh why they would make something so secretive because uh in outward appearance, if it had been something like a tragic accident, right. I, uh, I I don't see the need for there to be so much. Uh, I mean, who classifies a document over a, a, an accident involving an avalanche? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, I think that's where so much conjectures come in because uh, people ask, you know, why why would they have done that? And, and you know, I, that's kind of where. Uh, different theories begin to manifest, you know, like like you just discussed. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's one of those things, obviously, we'll never know the true nature of it unless the Russian government decides all of a sudden to be forthcoming with any any knowledge that they have of that. But as long as Putin is reelected, which he just happened to be reelected again in a landslide, quote unquote. Shocker, shocker. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, don't, I don't see that coming out a a anytime soon. But it's interesting and it makes for... Uh, good TV shows. It makes for good uh, stories and topics and sh on shows like this. So uh, we'll, we'll keep keep perpetuating the story, and uh, you know, hopefully, maybe there'll be an advancement at some point. Yeah, you know, there's some really good stuff uh, out there. I, I read a really good book, uh, Dead Mountain. It's available on on Amazon. It's probably the, in my experience, the uh, 
the most uh, accurate depiction of what happened. And ultimately, all I can come up with in the end is that uh, certainly something happened to those hikers that involved the government. And because of that, they subsequently felt the need to, to classify it. Um, and the real question is, what is it that the government was involved in and these hikers that caused them to do that? So, yeah, so <clears throat> it's interesting to, uh, to say the least. So let's let's jump right into the uh, the next topic here, the next conspiracy, if you will. And I'll. I'll take the lead on this one, and, and the reason I'm going to mention this is because you know I see you, I see you puffing away on that, uh, you know, oh, on, yes. on that lung dart over there, and uh, you know, I'm going to fire up another one. Hear that? That's a Zippo. That's that's cheeky. So you got oh, you have a fancy little Zippo over there, do you? I see that. Is it a custom Zippo? Is it a just a store bought cheapo? What what is it? What do you what is that there? Can you describe that for it's us? Got an eagle, got an eagle globe and anchor on it. Oh, my of friend. course, of course. Yeah. So anyway, um. And this might not be as exciting as the Dyatlov Pass, but the conspiracy basically is, or or the title would be, that um, Big Tobacco knew that cigarettes caused cancer. So this sounds a little bit ridiculous today because we all know the, uh, you know, the health, um, you know, detriment to your health that cigarettes have, you know, all kinds of things from high blood pressure. I'm telling you this, right? So you hopefully take some of this to heart. High blood pressure, yeah, yeah. high blood pressure, you know, different forms of, of cancers, um, you know, it gives you a run- like Iggy Pop. gives you a runny colon. You know, there are a number of different things that smoking oh, yeah. smoking cigarettes does for you, and we know that now with modern medicine and technology and things of that sort. But going back years ago, I mean, people have been smoking various things, uh, tobacco for hundreds of years. The Native uh, American peoples have been smoking tobacco in various forms in pipes. Uh, they've rolled it in different things, and obviously, when the European yeah. the Europeans came here, they par- partook in it as well. And uh, it became huge, and I, it still is huge today. Even even though we are much more wise and we are much more aware of the health effects, people still smoke cigarettes, which I find amazing to me. So why don't you, before I get into the conspiracy, tell me a little bit about yeah. why you smoke cigarettes and why you haven't stopped after all these years, Mr. Pop. Well, uh, first of all, it looks cool. I'm just going to say that. I mean, you're a liar if you say it doesn't look cheeky to light up a cigarette at that particularly right moment. Uh, that's probably why I started, and uh, then I got addicted because of all the wonderful things tobacco companies uh, didn't put in uh, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, a lot of it's about routine too. Um, so you obviously you got into routine of smoking at an early age, and you just have been unable to shake the habit. Have you even tried? Have you have you attempted anything? Hypnosis, uh, nicotine, nicotine yeah. gum, anything? I, I'm thinking about trying Maria. Actually, oh, I don't. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Little, little ASMR. Uh, that's creepy, man. I have to concur with Mike on that. That stuff is just bizarre, but each to his own, I guess. Now, I, I quit for three years once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quit uh, before I uh, went uh, overseas, uh, but then ended up smoking three packs a day. And, and from that point, it's it's just been all downhill from there. All right, so getting back to the the big tobacco company. So the conspiracy basically is, for decades, tobacco companies basically buried the evidence that smoking is deadly. So, and we all thought that was, uh, people thought it was a conspiracy, people thought, or, or uh, uh, you know, just didn't wasn't really true. Because, you know, if you look back at ads, uh, cigarette ads back years ago, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, it's hilarious to see them because, you know, they're all laughing and, 
everybody's having a good time. You had the Marlboro man riding a horse and everybody's like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? But believe it or not. Cancer is awesome. Yeah, but at the beginning of the 1950s, uh, you know, they were doing a lot of research and it was showing that an indisputable statistic link between smoking and lung cancer. Uh, But it wasn't until the 1990s, and a lot of us may remember uh, the Philip Morris company um, and how the, you know, they had uh, a lot of different uh, lawsuits going on and things like that, basically, because they admitted that smoking could cause cancer. Um, so yeah, so that it finally came out in the nineties and I think we knew that prior to that, but they finally admitted it and they had to start putting, uh, warning labels on all the packs and things. You have a pack in front of you. Mm. All right. Read the warning. label. Let me see the warning label. Read that. Tell me what it says. Surgeon general's warning. Quitting smoking now greatly reduces serious risks to your health. Mm. Cigarettes cause cancer. So I noticed you smoking the camels. And if you remember, yes. they, and they used to advertise to children, basically. Um, they'd put the little oh, yeah. the little uh, cartoon camel on there. Remember that? It was like uh, Freddy the Camel or something like that. And it was... Uh, camel Go. It was cartoon-based, so the kids would the kids would get uh, interested in it and want to buy them. And then they had the candy cigarettes to indoctrinate us at an early age. Uh, so They still have them. They do. Yeah, at least here in, in Hillbilly, Indiana. I'm surprised those aren't outlawed yet. You would think they would be. Mm. Anyway. All right. So that's 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 it for that. I mean, I hope I hope all of you out there that uh, if you do partake in the uh, the, the funny stuff there, the, the tobacco, uh, you, you, you take this as a public service announcement and uh, quit now and uh, live longer. How's that sound? Or look like Iggy Pop. All right. So why don't you go ahead? What do you got for your uh, for your first conspiracy of the day besides diet love? Well, uh, it's a biggie. Uh, I'll keep it short, but uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, mm. um, and and you know, for those of you that aren't aware, that was pretty much the uh, it, the interaction between the North Vietnamese government and the United States that that drew us into the Vietnam War, and um, y- you know, even within a few days of that incident, which basically was uh, the USS Maddox, which was a, a naval uh, cruiser. Um, was in the area of uh, North Vietnam in international waters and was attacked by uh, North Vietnamese torpedo boats. The uh, Maddox uh, subsequently engaged, and uh, because of that, Lyndon Johnson um, went to Congress, and uh, basically they passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which, uh, you know, drew us into Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Even after that occurred, there was a lot of speculation as to, to what really happened. Right. And uh, in, in 2005, there was a, a Pentagon uh, inquiry and uh, subsequently a congressional hearing that determined that, you know, we more or less provoked uh, North Vietnam uh, into that. And, and it, you know, there's a lot of information on it. Um, there's some good books. Uh, one, uh, The Fog of War. Actually, the Pentagon Papers which is uh, a movie that is uh, loosely based. Uh, the Post is the movie. Mm-hmm. It's loosely based on the Pentagon Papers. Right. Uh, that, that was an integral part of later determining that the Gulf of Tonkin incident uh, had been uh, exaggerated. And, um, it, you know, in, in brief nuts and bolts of it, uh, Maddox was in the uh, area of North Vietnam conducting... Uh, counter uh, surveillance espionage type stuff uh, coincidentally 
there was a commando raid being done by South Vietnam in the area, and it projected the impression that the United States was supporting this commando raid. Mm -hmm. uh, purposely, the Maddox, uh, you know, and, and I'll preface this by saying that both of us have an experience in the military. You know, some of these things are no fault of, of the people involved. They don't even know what's occurring. And, and you know, orders are coming from the highest levels of, of command. Uh, you know, so for those sailors that took part in that, it, it's hard to say what, what they knew was uh, uh, happening. But uh, Robert McNamara, the, the defense secretary in the late 60s under uh, Kennedy and Johnson, um, you know, he actually stated that uh, it was known at the White House uh, that this this action by the Maddox was going to cause us to enter Vietnam. Right. Um, so they were they were looking you know, to they were looking for any reason to to perpetuate a, a military action in Southeast Asia, which we all know ended up culminating in the Vietnam War, which, in my opinion, brings up an interesting phenomenon that takes place, um, and that is. You know, people's uh, lack of trust and lack of uh, confidence in the government as a whole because they feel deceived and they feel lied to over the course of time. And one of the topics that we talked about that kind of goes right in line with this, and I've been watching a lot of videos about this recently, is uh, the flat earth theory and these flat earthers that are out there. Yeah. You know, as ridiculous as as they are and how they're rooted in, you know, pseudoscience, um, you know, their their beliefs and their um, structure goes back to a distrust of the government. And this is this sort of thing has been happening for years. And it's something called uh, it's a three part phenomenon called the problem reaction solution. And it's basically like these false flag operations, sometimes sponsored by the government. Sometimes the government um, uses these things to perpetuate their um, agenda. And what I an example of that uh, going back further in military U.S. military history is um, what perpetuated the Spanish-American War. And we some of us may if we yeah. know, if we remember from history, um, the USS Maine, which was blown up in Havana Harbor in Cuba uh, back in the late back in the late 1800s. And that was taken as an act of aggression and an act of terrorism by the Spanish. They said that it, the Spanish basically sabotaged that ship and uh, they blew up the ship killing you know sinking the ship and killing many sailors uh, in the process but it turns out and and the US used that as a as a precipice precipice is that the right word as a pretext yeah, yeah, a, pre right a pretext word. a pretext for war against Spain which we uh, uh, which we ended up obviously uh, destroying Spain uh, and put us on the map as a world power um, but it turns out that the main actually suffered a catastrophic uh, malfunction to, to no fault of the Spanish right. where the boiler right. the boiler malfunctioned and it blew up uh, you know igniting the magazine in in the uh, in the ship and, and basically blowing a hole in it and destroying the ship and sinking it so um, and the, the uh, you, am you, I you, correct yeah is go, the ahead. Main, go is ahead the, is the, the main still uh, still there in Havana Harbor I thought at one point that the wreckage of the ship had remained there mm. I do believe that is the case sure and obviously being that we're still not on great terms with Cuba, being that they're a, a, still a communist nation. Um, I don't, I don't foresee us, uh, you know, going and, and taking, exploring that any, any, any more in the future. So um, I just thought I would add a little bit to that. So yes, I mean, the Gulf of Tonkin is another, another one of those uh, what they quote unquote use as a false flag operation to, to perpetuate the beginnings of of the Vietnam War. 
Anything? Well, and, and that goes, you know, that kind of segues into to, um, a topic that I wanted to discuss. And, and that's the, you know, the government spying on us. And you're, you know, uh, Edward Snowden, uh, I, I just recently saw um, some information on the Internet about Facebook, um, you know, and Facebook is probably one of the greatest open source intelligence gathering tools out there. Mm -hmm. uh, people just willy nilly put every bit of information on Facebook, um, you know, and there's a, a company, uh, I guess it would be uh, an organization called the Electronic Frontier Foundation, mm -hmm. and they strive to educate um, people globally on the government uh, filtering information uh, via open source um, intelligence. And, and what I say is, you know, Facebook, uh, emails, you know, are considered private, but, you know, there's ways to go around that. And, you know, uh, Snowden, you know, made it pretty clear that um, the NSA was, you know, taking advantage of, of, uh, our, of our private information for the purposes of counterintelligence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my experience in that is, um, you know, my last year in the military, I uh, I worked in counterintelligence and I held a high level security clearance. And, you know, to this day, there are non-disclosure agreements that I had to sign that said I wouldn't discuss certain aspects of, of intelligence that I was privy to. Mm -hmm. And um, you, as delicately as I can put it, um, information gets misconstrued from from its original um happenings to to what is is divulged to the public and i guess if you if you're not thinking the government is checking up on you um that would be be naivety in my is that the right word yeah i mean i i, I get where you're going i understand what you're saying and, and to think that you can just put everything out there uh, and even stuff that you keep private, you know, people, you know, private correspondence between people on email and stuff like that that you think nobody is, nobody has access to. People are watching that, they're monitoring that, looking for keywords, looking for different things, and gathering intelligence and gathering all this, these things on, on, you know, on, on the citizenry of, of the United States. So, well, and it's certainly necessary. Don't get me wrong. So, you know, I, I think there's a certain amount of it that's absolutely necessary. Uh, you know, I just go back to the fact that you know if if you are shocked by that, don't be because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's occurring, you know, and people have been saying that for years and there's truth to it. Sure. All right. Well, I think what we're going to do now is we're going to, uh, we're going to, so we have our halfway point, which, you know, normally on the program, we'll do either do a trivia, we'll do a, you know, a little a commercial, we'll do a song. So today we're actually going to do a song and, uh, you know, this is a, this is a real treat because we have a, a local, um, artist, uh, singer-songwriter here in the studio today. He's sitting patiently over here in the corner, and uh, they're getting, he, him and his, uh, you know, guitar player are getting tuned up, and uh, they're going to do a performance for us. So this is, uh, I'll just give him a quick intro. His name is Seth. This is Seth Creighton, and he is a, ah. he's a local singer-songwriter here in the Blackstone Valley, and um, he's here today. He's going to play one of his hit songs, his local hit songs. And then after mm. he, after he's done with his song, he's going to uh, he'll tell us a little bit about himself and uh, kind of what he's up to and uh, and yeah and then uh, we'll we'll go forward from there. So uh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to him and Seth. The stage is all yours. Go ahead. 
seemed like I had a plan See a face in my mind No doubt it'll end this time Night on a country road Whiskey in my veins Turns ice cold Hard and hard will do the task Need to see my face No mask Jesus in that bottle They stand behind me Full throttle Far behind Here I am still doing time Jesus and that bottle They stand behind me full throttle Not without seeing cast the first stone You fight back, you'll be the first gone
Wow. That was, uh, thank, well, thank you. Thank you, Seth. Uh, thank you for coming on. You know, we appreciate uh, all musical acts here on the Eon Project, and we, uh, we strive to do what we can to help promote some of the up-and-coming uh, musical uh, specialties of the day, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, so why don't we, we just talk quickly. I know you guys have to run. You got you to go, you got a gig tonight you got to go set up for, um, so we're not going to hold you too long. But uh, so, like I said, like I said before, this is uh, Seth Creighton. He's a local singer-songwriter here in the Blackstone Valley. I believe uh, Seth uh, is going to tell us a little bit about himself. So, the mic is all yours, my friend. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jay. Uh, we you know, really appreciate uh, you guys here on the uh, project, and uh, you know we uh, we like coming out here, and uh, uh, we found you guys, and we really like what you do, and uh, bringing forth all the things you do. So uh, once again, thanks for letting us come out and play one of our tunes for you. Uh, uh, I guess before I go any further, I'd just like to thank my friend here, uh, Tito, Tito Jones over here in the corner. He's, uh, you know, he plays guitar as well and, uh, you know, adds some of the, um, the beautiful harmonies, harmony singing that we have going on there, that last song there. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, that's right now, that's our only song. Uh, you know, uh, we have one song and that's it. And we play that song all the time. And, uh, you know, we have a, a local, uh, we have a gig coming up uh, next week at the local uh, Quickie Quickie store, and uh, right down there on the road to the corner there, and uh, so we'll be out there playing our song. Um, we don't take requests, and uh, you know we'll, we'll do our best. But uh, if you can come out, you can come out see us live, and uh, you know support us. And uh, we're gonna release a new tape next week uh, with that one song on it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, sometime soon we'll have some more songs as well. So, well, yeah. So I'm from Woodsocket originally, and uh, still live here. Uh, I don't, I haven't gone too far, you know, uh, we love Woodsocket, home of the pajama pants, uh, and, uh, hot weeder, so that's, uh, you know, we love that, and, uh, you know, uh, we just go about our day, and, uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's about it, uh, uh, once again, thanks, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you soon. Alright, guys, come on. All right, well, uh, thank you, Seth, and thank you, Tito. What a what an amazing uh, musical performance that was. And uh, once again, you can catch him at the local Quick Quickie Mart, uh, performing out front on the sidewalk. And uh, yeah, no, mm. so that was great. That was great. What'd you think of that, Brent? I loved it. Uh, uh, Tito uh, has the fingers of an angel. Mm. And uh, you know what I think though is uh, is you know the next time uh, when Mike's present, we need his. Uh, husky baritone in there to to add a little bit of that uh soul-wrenching uh warmth that comes from his vocal cords oh to put that third part of that harmony in there i got you yeah no that would be that's a good idea i'm, I'm sure yeah, i know mike yeah i'm sure yeah, seth, seth doesn't have a whole lot going on uh so i'm sure he wouldn't mind coming back in here um you know we we, we coaxed him in with a uh you know with, with a dozen donuts and a uh, a hot herbal tea and uh, that's all it took to get him in here today. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll and have him on again. Seven and seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I'm going to jump right back in, and we're going to we're going to stay with the the government conspiracy theme. All right. So that's a that's a hot topic. You know, there are a lot of people out there that don't trust the government. I am, for one, do not. Uh, no, do I? Know, they, there's a, such you know an abuse of power. Uh, people get power hungry. Um, they look for all kinds of different ways to remain in power and, and all kinds of different things that are going on. So one of them, and, and this is musically themed as well, um, and that is uh, that John Lennon was under government surveillance. So for years and years, that was the conspiracy that uh, for some Shocker. reason, for some reason, one of the founding members of the greatest musical act of all time, the Beatles, um, was under... I disagree. You dis I disagree. You disagree? What is wrong with you? 
I I judge a man on this question: mm. Beatles or Rolling Stones? And obviously, you and I disagree on that. If you think you can compare what the Beatles did to the Rolling Stones, and you, my friend, are truly Iggy Pop, and your brain has melted clearly before us all. But anyway, we can do a show yeah. entirely on on that. So let's. I digress. Okay, so. You're yeah, so for years and years, there was a belief, well, for years, there was a belief that the FBI was spying on former Beatle John Lennon. And you say to yourself, why? Why would, why would the government be spying on John Lennon? What do you, what do you think? What do you think uh, the reason would be for our government to be spying on that, uh, that very uh, uh, creative uh, young man? It, it goes back to politics. I mean, it's, it's clear that, that John was, uh, you know, deeply involved in, in making his... Uh, point about his personal feelings well known uh, but that's also post uh, McCarthyism and you know he was a foreigner it's just ripe for for that sort of behavior exactly and you know believe it or not the government obviously they were they were spying on him and like many of the the counterculture heroes of the day uh, you know Lenin, Lenin was considered a threat um, but you know what what's funny about that is he he never uh, he, he was, he was, yes, he was an anti-war um, activist. He, he talked about how um, he believed in peace and love and all that stuff, And which how do you fault a, a person for that, right? Uh, you can't really. So, uh, But the government, for some reason, thought he was a threat. He was not a, uh, a revolutionary type like many would, would think. And actually, that song, the Beatles song, Revolution, if you actually listen to the words carefully, it is, it is more of an anti-revolution song in the sense that um, you know, not that he's talking out against people who want to basically commit violence to overthrow the government. He wasn't he wasn't into violence at all. Um, he thought that there were other ways to go about bringing forth change in the world. Um, violence not right. not being one of them. So in actual, all actuality, he wasn't really much of a threat to the government. However, apparently under the the Nixon administration, who, as we all know, was was a, a paranoid individual, to say the least, especially towards uh, yeah. a, a, towards the end of his uh you know, his uh, administration. But in 1971, uh, he ordered the FBI to put Lenin under surveillance and the INS or the Immigration Naturalization Service tried to deport Mr. Lenin a year later, um, unsuccessfully, obviously, because we all know that he was killed tragically in New York City. But um, so, yeah, so that's just that's just one example of a famous person who was under government surveillance, uh, really for no reason. But they do that to everybody. They do that to famous people. They do that to uh, private citizens. And you know that sort of thing still goes on today. Uh, you know, with the paranoia. Well, that's going you know on. the Rolling the Rolling Stones, uh, as much as their their name must be taboo to you, uh, they were nearly uh, barred from uh, receiving visas uh, in that same time frame because their um, appearance to the U.S. government was that they would uh, degrade the uh, moral standard of the American youth, and you know. Of course, we're talking about Nixon too. This is the guy that made Elvis a DEA agent. I right? Mean, come on. <laughs> sure. But uh, you, you know, in our country, isn't the only country that does this. Mm -hmm. uh, my next topic is is about Canada uh, in that same time frame, the the sixties, uh, mid sixties, and um, if this isn't uh, appalling, uh, then I find uh, I it, it's really kind of humorous and shocking to even discuss it but um a 
professor at the University of uh, Carleton in uh, Ontario, Canada. Sure. Um, he developed a system of uh, discovering homosexuals in the Canadian government. Um, the byline on most of the articles is uh, gaydar. And uh, essentially it, it, it was determined through the infinite wisdom of, of our brothers from the north. I, I don't mean to laugh that, at, I don't mean to laugh at the term gaydar. It's kind of a childish thing, but no, you know, it, it goes it's back. hilarious. No, it's, it's kind of, the, I, I mean, the word is kind of funny. I, you, I'll admit that. Well, and you know, I, I have some good friends from Canada and uh, you know, I, I dog on those guys pretty hard, uh, but you know, as benign as, as Canadians seem at times, uh, they were really hot and heavy on weeding out homosexuals from uh, their government hmm. uh, to include the military and, uh, you know, all forms of government. Yeah, and as we know, uh, back this, in this, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you, but obviously as no, we know, ba good. back in the 60s, uh, you know, people weren't as open with their orientation as they clearly are today. So, you know, they were no, trying, they all. were living secret lives. And so that was the whole, I believe that was the whole point of behind this project, if you want to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, and, and, and really they, they, uh, Ultimately, it was determined later that over 400 people were uh, fired or removed from their positions and another 9,000 people were placed on a suspect list. Uh, and essentially, the, the, uh, the gaydar, uh, even back in, <laughs> you want to laugh, they called it the fruit machine. Oh, so my. The, yeah. Can you imagine and that nowadays, a, them, them talking about something like this or doing something like this? That's crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, it's 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 crazy to think about because really it the, the, the was not a machine at all. It was a system of uh, gauging pupil dilation when exposing uh, suspect individuals to same-sex erotic images. Mm. Uh, just, 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 I mean, I guess it's, you know, one of those things where even the procedure now is so blatantly uh, controversial that it boggles my mind that they'd even be able to, to uh, justify some type of program like this. But uh, this psychologist, uh, Frank Robert Wake, uh, developed this, and it was later determined that it a actually had no scientific, uh, no scientific bearing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a lot of people were uh, discriminated against. There was recorded uh, suicides. So, you know, it's, it's clear that just like McCarthyism in, in our own time frame, uh, it had a drastic impact on our our social culture. Now let me ask you this: What happens? What happens if you're just a regular dude? You know, you're a you're a straight man, you're a heterosexual man, right? But you're you know yeah. you have a keen fashion sense. You know, you're a snappy dresser. You like to wear uh, smelly perfumes. You enjoy Broadway musicals. You know, what if you enjoy all that stuff and uh, you know you pop up on their gaydar, even though you're not. Uh, you know, a homosexual by any means, are they still going to uh, well, and, persecute you for well, that? And, and, you know, let's take me, for example, uh, Iggy Pop as I am. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm a stylist. I, I quaff my hair in a, in a very uh, trendy manner. I'm sporting a blue mohawk today, as you, as you pointed out. Oh. Uh, you know, I would suspect that I would very quickly be uh, on their radar. Or their gaydar, if you will. So, yeah, no, that was... Uh, you know, obviously politically incorrect today. Um, you can never get away with that sort of stuff, nor should you, because it's clearly, uh, you know, discriminatory 
and uh, you know you're singling out one one group of people just because they're they're different than you. So that's that's a, that's a tragedy to say the least. So I'm going to jump into uh, another interesting one that most people probably um, have never heard about, um, and it's another one involving our government. Shockingly, so uh, there was a, there's a, there was a theory. Uh, uh, a theory or a conspiracy going back to the 60s that um, the Dalai Lama, we all know the Dalai Lama, the man of peace. Uh, yeah, that the, that the Dalai Lama was a CIA agent. Well, believe it or not, he kind of was. And, and perhaps the reason the Dalai Lama, you know, we see him smiling in all those pictures is because it has something to do with the, the money that he was pulling down from the U.S. government during the 1960s. And according to, um, once again, some declassified intelligence documents apparently he earned something like $180,000 um in connection with the CIA yeah the CIA's funding of uh the Tibetan resistance and the Tibetan resistance was basically just that the Tibetans were uh basically in a war with China at the time and the US government doesn't sound very scary I'll be honest with you well the Tibetan resistance doesn't sound scary <laughs> not to me <laughs> I'll tell you what those uh those Sherpas man I'll tell you they can be uh, a formidable oh. opponent yeah, I would, and you know, doesn't the British have the the Royal Gurkha rifles or something in Tibet? They're, those guys are pretty bad. Yeah, you know, uh, but we actually gave them, we do, uh, not donated, but basically gave the Tibetan resistance one point seven million dollars a year during this during this time period. Um, and nice. the, and the idea was to disrupt and hamper China's infrastructure. So yeah, so the the Dalai Lama was a paid agent of the CIA. And uh, tried to uh, tried to aid in the in the resistance of the Chinese. So once again, our hands as the government are dabbling in all these different things across the nation, probably in a bunch of stuff that we probably have no business doing in different countries no. around the world. So that's just another example of that, and that and the distrust people have for the U.S. government and governments in general, for that matter. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, um, one of the things I wanted to touch on was uh, MK Ultra, which. You know that there's so much information about there. I believe you guys uh, did a show on MK Ultra. Right. You know, in, instead of rehash a bunch of information, I'll just say go back and and hit up uh, uh, the Eon Project uh, site and and check out that um, that podcast on MK Ultra, which really great information. If you're a Stranger Things fan, you'll you'll adore it. Uh, but you know, the, the, just a couple other things real quick because I know we're we're running out of time. Um, during the late 50s, we conducted a project that has been affectionately termed the Dead Baby Project. Oh, that sounds and, really affectionate. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in short, uh, late 50s, we were um, sanctioning the uh, acquisition of tissue samples from uh, young children to study the effects of, of radiation. Um, you know, this is all been proven uh, there's a lot of information out there but you know it literally turned into a worldwide epidemic of, of body snatching including you know families unable to to properly grieve and uh you know properly uh, provide a, a adequate burial for their their children mm -hmm. uh it, and you know this was something our government you know was well aware of and um yeah, you know, I won't go into it, but, you know, do some research on it and look at some of the quotes made by the the doctors and stuff that were that were, uh, you know, requisitioning this material. And, and, you know, you'll be pretty shocked by it. You know, I'll end on a lighter note, though. Uh, I So the worst video game ever, <laughs> E.T., 
Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that's the that's the conspiracy. That's the uh, the belief. The e- ET game for Atari back in the back in the early eighties. Yeah, eighty eighty three, and and uh, you know it actually economically it brought about the end of the uh, video game industry for for quite a long time. Uh, do a little bit of research. Get on YouTube and uh, look at the minute and thirty three second video that I watched on uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, I literally wanted to gas myself in the garage after <laughs> uh, watching that that video. You know, I, I play a lot of video games. My kids do, uh, you know, so I have a um, an understanding of gameplay and how it should pan out. And this game was so bad that uh, Atari buried uh, truckloads of cartridges in the uh, New Mexico desert. There's a pretty interesting uh, show on, um, I believe it's Netflix, that talks about uh, this game. And and, uh, they actually went out and located the site and dug up a bunch of the games. And now they're kind of selling for some money on eBay just, just because of the fact that the game was so tragically bad. Right. So that was but, the that was the legend all those years that the that ET was buried in the desert out there and nobody could prove yeah, absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thought, and they they were like there's no way that that actually happened and like you said that the documentary I don't know I don't remember the name off the top of my head which I, sh- I probably should because I've I've watched it but they yeah they certainly do they go out and they tell the backstory on it and they do research and they go out and they actually find the landfill where yeah. the, where all these games were buried out out in the desert. You know, it's kind of tragic in the sense that, you know, Atari was such a founding, uh, you know, cornerstone in, in video games. You know, I remember playing the Atari 2600 when I was a kid and, and I adored it, um, you know, but it really did. It, it crushed the video game industry. That game was so epically bad. Yeah. Yeah. That was obviously Atari's uh, started to fall from grace from there. And um, they just could never really pick up the pieces, and then, as we know, Nintendo came along and pretty much dominated for many, many years. But um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I like watching some of those uh, those retro retro video game uh, documentaries and videos and and things of that sort. So, well, yeah, I think I think uh, you know what I think we're gonna wrap it up here. And um, you know, once again, I appreciate pleasure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I get I get to watch your face from across the room here on the little tiny screen. Which was uh, quite the treat for me, because you know I don't get to uh, I don't get to experience you that often, my friend. And uh, no, and and, and uh, we have to be careful here because the Canadian government may uh, put us on a list. But uh, it's always good to see you. And uh, yeah, no, I will. Uh, I'll give my best to uh, to Mike for you. So I know that that uh, he's probably going to be listening here, and hopefully, uh, you know, you lived up to his expectations. Yeah, I doubt it, but I appreciate the, I appreciate it. It's been a blast. All right. Hey, Brent. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks a lot, buddy. And, uh, you know, we'll be in touch. And, uh, you know, we might need you again. Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure how much longer Mike's going to be out. But if we do, I'll let you know. We'll uh, discuss some new and interesting topics here on the Eon Project. So just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it. Believe it.